Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. Hey, let's just kick off with a big happy Family Friday to you, and here's why. I couldn't be more excited for listener Melissa. She texted me to say that she had just completed her first ever trip through the whole Bible. What a moment to celebrate. Why? Well, not because we we don't idolize the Bible, we don't worship the Bible, no. It's because God loves it when his children spend time with him listening. And like that, we get to Friday and episode 2068. Welcome to today's part of our journey together. I'm so glad you're with us. Whether you're just starting or you've been here a while, uh, I always love notes when you send them along like Melissa did. Do you realize, here's a big point today, do you realize how much God loves you? Interestingly, he can't love you a little bit. He wouldn't be God, right? He could not love you more. And if you're a parent, you know this in some way. How do you feel when your children want to spend time with you, let alone listen to what you have to say, which may wax or wane over the years? Well, in our New Testament segment today, this is the third time that Luke has depicted Jesus as an invited guest at the Pharisees' tables, Uh, and on each occasion, Jesus makes things uncomfortable, challenging the social conventions and the moral values of his hosts and fellow guests, and we're going to hear a short but potent piece of the New Testament today, we're going to hear about how God reverses our conventional ideas of what and who really matter. Luke chapter 14, picking up in verse 1. One Sabbath, when he went in to eat at the house of one of the leading Pharisees, they were watching him closely. There in front of him was a man whose body was swollen with fluid. In response, Jesus asked the law experts and the Pharisees, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they kept silent. He took the man, healed him, and sent him away. And to them he said, Which of you whose son or ox falls into a well will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? They could find no answer to these things. He told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed when he noticed how they would choose the best places for themselves. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, don't sit in the place of honor, because a more distinguished person than you may have been invited by your host. The one who invited both of you may come to you and say, I'll give your place to this man. And then in humiliation, you will proceed to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when the one who invited you comes, he will say to you, friend, move up higher. You will then be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. He also said to the one who had invited him, When you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors, because they might invite you back and you would be repaid. On the contrary, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, or blind. 
and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And my friends, that gets us up through verse 14 and um, it's amazing actually how subversive or countercultural Christianity is, right? Uh, and that said, just remember this. God loves it when his children spend time with him listening. That's just going to be my theme today. It doesn't really directly relate to our, the scripture that we're reading, which is what I usually try to do around here. Turning to our Old Testament segment. Unfortunately, if we were looking at the whole book of Job, the real listening to God, well, doesn't really happen till near the end. Now, we kicked off Job yesterday, and we have kind of a unique point of view. We see stuff that or read about stuff that neither Job nor anyone else knows, right? Like that Satan has been given permission to take pretty much everything except Job's life. Now, then we read his friends show up early. They sit silently with him for seven days and they listen to Job miserably rue the day he was born. Then, well, that's how we kick off chapter four. Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied, should anyone try to speak with you when you are exhausted? Yet who can keep from speaking? Indeed, you have instructed many and have strengthened weak hands. Your words have steadied the one who was stumbling and braced the knees that were buckling. But now that this has happened to you, you've become exhausted. It strikes you and you are dismayed. Is it your piety, your confidence, and the integrity of your life, your hope? Consider. Who has perished when he was innocent? Where have the honest been destroyed? In my experience, those who plow injustice and those who sow trouble reap the same. They perish at a single blast from God and come to an end by the breath of his nostrils. The lion may roar and the fierce lion growl, but the teeth of the young lions are broken. The strong lion dies if it catches no prey, and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. A word was brought to me in secret. My ears caught a whisper of it. Among unsettling thoughts from visions in the night, when deep sleep comes over men, fear and trembling came over me and made all my bones shake. I felt a draft on my face and the hair on my body stood up. A figure stood there, but I could not recognize its appearance. A form loomed before my eyes. I heard in a whispering voice, Can a mortal be righteous before God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? Now, if God puts no trust in his servants and he charges his angels with foolishness, how much more those who dwell in clay houses, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed like a moth? They are smashed to pieces from dawn to dusk. They perish forever while no one notices. Are their tent cords not pulled up? They die without wisdom. Call out. Will anyone answer you? Which of the holy ones will you turn to? For anger kills a fool and jealously slays the gullible. I've seen a whole fool taking root, but I immediately pronounce a curse on his home. His children are far from safety. They're crushed at the city gate with no one to rescue them. The hungry consume his harvest, even taking it out of the thorns. The thirsty pant for his children's wealth, for distress does not grow out of the soil. 
and trouble does not sprout from the ground. But humans are born for trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. However, if I were you, I would appeal to God and would present my case to him. He does great and unsearchable things, wonders, without number. He gives rain to the earth and sends water to the fields. He sets the lowly on high and the mourners are lifted to safety. He frustrates the schemes of the crafty so that they achieve no success. He traps the wise in their craftiness so that the plans of the deceptive are quickly brought to an end. They encounter darkness by day and they grope at noon as if it were night. He saves the needy from their sharp swords and from the clutches of the powerful. So the poor have hope, and injustice shuts its mouth. See how happy a person is whom God corrects. So do not reject the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal. He will rescue you from six calamities. No harm will touch you in seven. In famine he'll redeem you from death and in battle from the power of the sword. You will be safe from slander and, and not fear destruction when it comes. You'll laugh at destruction and hunger and not fear the land's wild creatures for you. You will have a covenant with the stones of the field and the wild animals will be at peace with you. You will know that your tent is secure and nothing will be missing when you inspect your home. You will also know that your offspring will be many and your descendants like the grass of the earth. You will approach the grave in full vigor as a stack of sheaves is gathered in its season. We have investigated this and it is true. Hear it. Hear it. And understand it for yourself. Now pause, my friends. I just want you to catch what has just happened. And this is something really important to remember as we listen to... Uh, to the book of Job. There are times when the person speaking makes sense, and that's whether that's Job's friends or Job himself. But hold it lightly because of what we will ultimately get to, which is that the whole book points out that we don't always know why the righteous suffer, and more importantly, the question is who are we going to trust? God? or ourselves, or our friends, or our wives, or whoever. Chapter 6. Then Job replied, If only my grief could be weighed, and my devastation placed with it on the scales. For then it would outweigh the sand of the seas. That is why my words are rash. Surely the arrows of the Almighty have, all, have pierced me. My spirit drinks their poison. God's terrors are arrayed against me. Does a wild donkey bray over fresh grass or an ox low over its fodder? Is bland food eaten without salt? Is there a flavor in an egg white? I refuse to touch them. They are like contaminated food. If only my request would be granted and God would provide what I hope for, that he would decide to crush me, to unleash his power and cut me off, it would still bring me comfort, and I would leap for joy in unrelenting pain that I have not denied the words of the Holy One. What strength do I have that I should continue to hope? What is my future that I should be so patient? Is my strength that of stone or my flesh made of bronze? 
Since I cannot help myself, the hope for success has been banished from me. A despairing man should receive loyalty from his friends, even if he abandons the fear of the Almighty. The brothers, my brothers, are as treacherous as the wadi, as seasonal streams that overflow and become darkened with ice and the snow that melts into them. The wadis evaporate in warm weather and they disappear from their channels in hot weather. Caravans turn away from their roots, go up into the desert and perish. The caravans of Tima look for these streams. The traveling merchants of Sheba hope for them. They are ashamed because they had been confident of finding water. And when they arrive, they are disappointed. So this is what you have now become to me. When you see something dreadful, you're afraid. Have I ever said, give me something? Or have I ever said, pay a bribe for me from your wealth? Or deliver me from the enemy's hand? Or redeem me from the land of the ruthless? Go on, teach me. I'll be silent. Help me understand what I did wrong. How painful honest words can be. But what does your rebuke prove? Do you think that you can disprove my words or that a despairing man's words are mere wind? No doubt you would cast lots for a fatherless child and negotiate a price to sell your friend. But now, please look at me. I will not lie to your face. Reconsider. Don't be unjust. Reconsider. My righteousness is still the issue. Is there injustice on my tongue, or can my palate not taste disaster? Isn't each person consigned to forced labor on the earth? Are not his days like those of a hired worker? Like a slave, he longs for shade, and like a hired worker, he waits for his pay. So I have been made to inherit months of futility, and troubled nights have been assigned to me. When I lie down, I think, oh, when will I get up? But the evening... The evening drags on endlessly, and I toss and turn until dawn. My flesh is clothed with maggots and encrusted with dirt. My skin forms scabs and then oozes. My days pass more swiftly than a weaver's shuttle, and they come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is but a breath. My eye will never again see anything good. The eye of anyone who looks on me will no longer see me. Your eyes will look for me, but but I'll be gone. As a cloud fades away and vanishes, so the one who goes down to Sheol will never rise again. He will never return to his house. His hometown will no longer remember him. Therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I the sea or a sea monster that you keep me under guard? When I say my bed will comfort me and my couch will ease my complaint, then you frighten me with dreams and terrify me with visions so that I prefer strangling, dead rather than life in this body. I give up. I'll not live forever. Leave me alone for my days are a breath. What is a mere human, that you think so highly of him and pay so much attention to him. You inspect him every morning and put him to test every moment. Will you ever look away from me or leave me alone long enough to swallow? 
If I have sinned, what have I done to you, watcher of humanity? Why have you made me your target so that I have become a burden to you? Why not forgive my sin and pardon my iniquity? For soon I will lie down in the grave. You will eagerly seek me, but I will be gone. And my friends, that gets us up through Job chapter 7. Our wisdom segment today is Psalm 99. And in this psalm, this is a song about how the Lord reigns. And to me, if there's one reason to come to him in trust and obedience, whether we feel like it or not, it's because we can trust his promises and we can only trust his promises because he's sovereign over everything. Psalm 99. The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name. He is holy. The mighty king loves justice. You have established fairness. You have administered justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow in worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those calling on his name. They called to the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them in a pillar of cloud. They kept his decrees and the statutes he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You are a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their sinful actions. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow in worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord, our God, is holy. I know, my friends, that... Um, I know that sometimes we just have to pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and grant me just this day a glimpse of you. Um, but I ask you this. Is intimacy always a function of our emotions? And I might suggest not. That part of what we do as a living sacrifice is to come to God despite the petty despotism of emotional vagaries. And I'll tell you why. Sometimes we go do something to honor our parents, not because they deserve it, not because we want to, but because it's the right thing to do. But here's one big difference between God and maybe our parents, and us even if we're parents. God just delights 
every single time. He loves it when his children spend time with him, particularly if we're listening. Lord God, I just pray for the person listening to this. Lord, I pray that you will help us to see you more clearly, fall in love with you more deeply, And Lord, that we will experience your presence, your personal presence, because you're the God who is there. Yes, you're higher than the heavens and the creator of everything, but uniquely, Lord, I pray for the person listening right now, that they would not only be blessed by your voice through your inspired word, but Lord, that you would just meet them in a moment, in a dream, in an interaction, in how they see a flower. Lord, just just remind the person listening right now that you're there. And help us by the power of your Spirit to be obedient and, and come to you even when we don't sense it or feel it. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.